You're listening to the podcast from Withington Christian Church. For more information, visit withingtonchristian.church. So we're going to carry on with our um, studies in, um, in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 5. We've been looking at these Beatitudes. Uh, and last week we started this Beatitude, uh, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Um, we'll just read this passage again. Um, and... Uh, Hopefully these are really, really coming into our minds, these Beatitudes, so important as we look at these beautiful attitudes that affect us as believers, that mark us as believers, are birthmarks for those of us who are the Lord's people. So reading from verse 1, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so last week we began to talk about this uh, uh, subject of mercy and we uh, were looking at what this beatitude isn't. We were saying that this isn't how we can be saved. We made right with God, receive the mercy of God by showing it to others. We made that very clear. There's only one way we can be saved and that's through, through God's grace and our faith, uh, trusting the Lord Jesus for salvation. Uh, and then we moved on to start to look at the true nature of mercy, the true nature of mercy that this verse is speaking about. Uh, and I was quoting from different people who have written different things about this. Um, and we were saying it's a holy compassion of soul where someone is moved to pity such that they go to the relief of another's misery and misfortune. We said it causes the possessor to make the case of another his own, so that he is grieved by it such that it will move him to action to alleviate the need. So we were saying last week that compassion, mercy, doesn't just feel sorry for someone, but feels sorry for someone so much so that they do something about it, that they get involved that they take action. And compassion is love in action, as we've been thinking. Mercifulness, then, is a gracious disposition toward our fellow creatures or fellow Christians. It's a spirit of kindness and benevolence which sympathises with the suffering of the afflicted so that we weep with those who weep. It shows mercy with justice and scorns the taking of revenge. But we also said that it is not foolish sentimentality that flouts the requirements of justice. It is not foolish senti sentimentality which flouts the requirements of justice. God's a God of justice 
and therefore uh, his mercy doesn't undermine justice, uh, but rather um, it sympathises with those who are uh, in, uh, in difficult circumstances, difficult situations, moved by their plight, um, but it doesn't alleviate such that it undermines justice uh, in that sense. Um, we also said uh, that in relation to this, it, it's, it is also a holy compassion rather than partiality, which is generous to some and harsh to others. So it isn't partial. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're generous to those who you like, those who you are your favourites, uh, those who you get on well with, but then someone else comes along and you maybe don't get on with them so well uh, and therefore you don't show them any help either. It, it, it's, it's unaffected by that sort of thing. Um, it's always there for someone. So this compassion is fruit of the Holy Spirit, according, uh, occurring supernaturally as opposed to an amiable disposition occurring in natural man. You know, you sometimes come across people who genuinely are just kind people. Uh, they're just nice people. And their predisposition is to help people and to, to, to do things for people. And they get a reward out of that, because there is a reward out of that. I know that when we worked on the streets, um, that uh, there was a reward out of just helping other people. And most of the groups that were on the streets on a Sunday night were non-Christian groups. And so they were showing compassion in the same way that we were. But the compassion that we're talking about here is fruit of the Spirit. It's the evidence of God at work in the mind and heart of an individual. Uh, and that's uh, one of the things we need to bear in mind in relation to this. And so then last week we said that we would then this, this week look at the examples of Christ. Because really there was no one more compassionate than the Lord. And we can't do better this morning than to, to look at the Lord Jesus. And to look at the compassion that he had. And to see uh, what he did to other people. And you will notice a very, if you ever do a little study on the word of compassion in the Gospels you will notice this, there is a reoccurring pattern. Every time you get a mention of the word compassion, the Lord Jesus does something, if it's in connection with the Lord. He does something. It's followed by action. And I want to show that this morning. Um, because the Lord Jesus was the most compassionate man that's ever walked on planet Earth, and that was because he was a man of action. He was doing. He was doing. Um, remember we said last week uh, that um, the day and age in which we live, we find ourselves in a situation where some of the church of Jesus Christ is emphasis is on knowing, on learning. And that's important. We need to teach the scriptures. We need to know the scriptures. We need to enjoy each other's fellowship. Uh, and that's one part of the equation. But the church of Jesus Christ should be doing uh, as the Lord Jesus did, he sets the example for us and he does uh, things. I, I was hearing a statistic, I listened to Premier Christian Radio in the week and uh, uh, I was listening to a statistic uh, that they were saying that 80% of the food banks that were set up during COVID-19 were set up by Christian churches. And when I hear that, I say, praise the Lord, because that's actually what should be happening, isn't it? As Christians, we should be marked by compassion, uh, moved to action. Why? Because the Lord Jesus did. We follow his example. If Christ is in us, 
then we are his hands, his feet in the world today. I remember years ago thinking to myself uh, when I was there in Withenshaw, thinking to myself, um, if Jesus came to Withenshaw today, what would he do? What would he do? Well, I suspect he'd go to Withenshaw Hospital and he'd probably empty the place. <laughs> I suspect he may go to, to some of the schools in Withenshaw where, where there are ch children who, who are in difficult circumstances coming from needy families. Uh, I expect he'd be uh, in amongst the community and the neighbours and round the houses and um, there for people, helping them, supporting them, teaching them. But you know, then I thought this, Jesus is in Withenshaw. He is in Withenshaw today. As he is in Withington today. How is he in Withington? How is he in, Withington, uh, in Withenshaw? He's in Withenshaw and Withington by virtue of his church, which is the body of Christ here on earth. He's the head. We're the body. We are his hands and his feet. We are uh, here to be in his service, to do his work. And so we should be moved by compassion. We should be engaging with society and community to help the unemployed, to help the poor, to help the homeless, to provide for uh, those who find themselves in difficult circumstances because of COVID or whatever it is. The Church of Jesus Christ should be there as people who are doing, not just learning, not just knowing. Uh, again, uh, a reading many years ago from Bob Gass. I don't know whether any of you get the UCB uh, word for the day. I, I, we use that at the mill. And uh, one of the readings that stuck out with me on one particular occasion is talked about spiritual obesity. <laughs> Where uh, when it's all knowledge, we become spiritually obese. And what we need to do is we need to work the knowledge out in practice. The two things working together... Uh, one should support the other. If we genuinely are being taught by the Holy Spirit, that will cause us to be busy doing, uh, working, uh, and therefore avoid spiritual obesity. Let's just think about the compassion of the, compassion of the Lord Jesus, uh, various different passages where he, he, he shows it. Mark 6, 34. Mark 6, 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. Here's the action. And he began to teach them many things. The compassion followed by the action. He sees the multitude. He has compassion for the multitude. He's moved in his heart for the multitude. But that leads him to do something, and that is to teach them. Uh, and of course, he taught them with authority. And he taught them as one who lived out what he taught. And he was genuine. And the people knew that. And that's why they came to him in their thousands, to hear him. Because he was unique, and they'd never heard this before. And they heard, were hearing the word of God. And so he, uh, his compassion is moved by action. Matthew 14, 14. Matthew 14, verse 14. Matthew 14, verse 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. Here's the action. 
And he healed their sick. And he healed their sick. Compassion linked with action. And of course the Lord Jesus tirelessly healed the sick. And they flocked to him in their thousands for healing. Uh, And that must have been an amazing thing to see. My, my. How many lives were transformed. How much hope was given. And yet, isn't it interesting that within three years of all of these things happening, there's a crowd of people and they're shouting out, crucify him. We will not have this to reign over us. And I sometimes think to myself when I think about the cross, where was Bartimaeus? Where were the lepers that were healed? Where were those who were possessed with demons? Where were they? So that the Lord met the physical need of humanity in a most amazing way like never has happened before. But it's so often. Don't expect that to have a spiritual impact in the life of the people that you're working with. Because people are interested in meeting their own personal needs, but it's only the Holy Spirit that can show them their deep spiritual need, which is their need of salvation, their need of forgiveness. And that has been my experience over many, many years, that most of the practical work we've done has not led to a spiritual outcome. Does that mean to say we don't do it? No. No. We do it because the Lord Jesus did it. We do it because that's what he wants us to do. We do it because that's what he's taught us to do. We do it because the Holy Spirit indwells us and empowers us to do it. Not because we're looking to save people. There's a key point there. Compassion isn't a form of evangelism, although often it sits with evangelism. If you're showing compassion because you want to get people saved, you're going to be severely disappointed, I'll assure you of that, because I've been showing compassion in various ministries, homeless ministries, drop-ins, the mill, whatever, for many, many years, and Alison as well, and there are many people who do that. It's not just us, it's a team of people who do that. And yet, the majority of folks we work with are just not interested in the gospel. So we're not doing it as a means of evangelism. We're doing it, although it sits with evangelism, because people will often say to you, why are you doing this? Because we know the Lord, because we love the Lord. It's not a form of evangelism, but we do it. We show compassion because we've been shown compassion. We show mercy because we've been shown mercy. Uh, and these are important things for us to understand. Matthew 15, 32, 37. That's quite a long uh, little reading there. Uh, Matthew 15, uh, 32, 37. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him, and he said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue with me now three days, and I have nothing to eat, and and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, When should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? And Jesus said unto them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven, and a few fishes. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fishes, and he gave thanks and brake them, and gave to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat, and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat 
that was left, seven baskets full. So there were two occasions when the Lord Jesus fills a multitude, uh, and this is the second of those occasions. And again, he is moved with compassion for the multitude. They've been with him three days. All of the food they would have brought with them will have probably been eating, eaten by this time. But rather than go away, they stay and they continue to listen to this amazing man. Because he speaks with the word of God. He's speaking the word of God. He is God. He speaks with power and authority. What would the disciples do? Well, I suspect that the disciples, having been confronted with the problem, the problem of humanity in its desperate and deep need, their solution was, what was it? What was it? Send them away. <laughs> Send them away. The problem's too big for us. Us. The problem's not our problem. It's someone else's problem. It's the government's problem. It's the social services problem. It's Greater Manchester's police's problem. It's HMP prison service problem. Send them away. Whose problem is it? Well, if we are spirit-filled believers on the Lord Jesus and we are confronted with a need that the Lord brings to us, and that's often how it works, and we're believing that the Lord has sent this situation and these individuals uh, to us, then it becomes our problem. Remember the Good Samaritan? Remember they came across a man in need? The Levite, the priest, and the Samaritan. We'll think about that story. The good Samaritan made it his problem. Therein is an example of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. And if he's done it for us, we should do it for others. So we're to be involved. We're to get involved. And we look to the Lord for wisdom. And we look to the Lord to provide the need. And we don't have the strength. And we don't have the ability. And we can't do it ourselves. But we look to him because he has the answer. He always has the answer. We just need to trust him. And so we thank God for Christians throughout the world who have gone and they've seen the need. And they've got involved. And they've done something about it. I was just listening again through Premier Radio, a Christian lady who went to Pakistan and uh, in Pakistan she saw a situation where there were families, whole families, working in brick kilns. Uh, firing bricks and there were little children who were making bricks and she was so moved by that she thought to herself I've got to do something many people would have come home and forgotten about it she couldn't why? because the compassion in her heart which was given to her of the Lord meant that she had to do something and she set a charity up and they went out there and they set up orphanages to take the children into the orphanages so they could break that cycle of poverty, so that they were being educated from a young age, so they didn't need to go and work in the brick, brick kiln, but could get a proper job. And then they could start to finance their parents, so that they didn't need to work there anymore. That's compassion. That's seeing the problem and getting involved. That's what Christians do. That's what the Lord Jesus did. He saw the need. And he took the little that was provided, and he fed so many people. And so what have we got to do? What's our role in this? We, our role is this, that we bring the little that we have. 
The few loaves of bread and the, and the fish, we bring those to him. But what are these among so many? With the Lord, they're sufficient. We have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. I don't know what you want me to do. But I'm here. I'm available. I'm willing. And when we're praying like that and our hearts like that, do you know what will happen? The Lord will start to bring into your life people who need your help. People who you need to get involved with. And it may be in little ways. It may be insignificant ways. It may be someone, your neighbour's broken down. You're busy. What are you going to do? <laughs> going to get involved? Christians do. And someone comes along and they need, they need a hand. Uh, in, in some way or other. Maybe you see a homeless person who's begging. Um, and, I, and I never advise giving money because the money will just get used to the wrong things. But I always advise buy a sandwich, buy a drink. Do something for them. Give them the telephone number of Betel who can provide a means whereby they, they can uh, get, get some accommodation. Get involved. Uh, and so uh, that's what compassion does. And that's what Christians do because they have been shown compa compassion and mercy, so we do. Give your little to the Lord and he will multiply it and he will meet the need and he will do great things. But it starts with you coming to him with what you have and being willing to be used by him for his glory. Mark chapter 1, verses 40, 42. Mark chapter 1, verses 40, 42. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he'd spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. I love that story. I love that little passage of scripture. Leprosy was a horrible disease, a very disfiguring disease. One of the gospels describes one of the lepers, someone who's full of leprosy. That was Luke, who's the doctor. He describes the true Reality of this situation, full of leprosy, fingers falling off, probably the nose broken off, probably the ears or whatever. Very, very disfiguring, ugly people, covered in bandages, stinking people, diseased people. You didn't want to touch a leper. You stay well away from a leper. You could, if you got leprosy, that was it. That was a death sentence. And so they were abused, they were, they were uh, I'm sure abused, but I'm sure that they were pushed out of society. And they had to live together in their own environment. When you became a leper, that was devastation to you as a person and the whole family. Does the Lord Jesus care about that? He cares so much that he touches the leper. You know, the Lord Jesus didn't need to touch that leper. All he needed to do was say, be clean. And he would have been. But it's significant that in these passages, we read that the Lord Jesus actually touches the man. 
He identifies with him so deeply and closely that he's willing to touch him. That man may have not been touched by anyone for many, many years. This is personal. This is up close and real. This is drawing a line alongside someone in all of their deep, deep need and sorrow. Identifying with their pain. Getting involved. That's what this is. And you know, sometimes the Lord Jesus asks us to get involved with people. And that can be costly. Very costly. I know something about the costliness of getting involved with people very personally. Because we've had people living in our home in the year over the years. We did that for 10 years. And when you have people coming from difficult circumstances and difficult backgrounds, offending backgrounds, abusive backgrounds, and you're working with those people, you're very much close, upfront, intimate, personal. You share their life, you share their sorrow, you share their pain, their brokenness. And you are willing to give what you can give and only what we have to give is what the Lord gives us. And so often we feel inadequate and unable to do what we want to do. But the Lord wants us to be drawing alongside people, you know. And he will control that and he will show us and he will lead us and guide us to the right people. But, you know, we have to have a willing heart to get involved with people that we're willing to touch their lives. And that may be sitting with them and just listening as they tell their story. There's so many people with such horrible, painful stories just listening to them. And where appropriate, an arm round them, being there for them, sometimes not even saying anything, just listening. Just turning up, just giving them what you have, which is the word, which is the comfort of the Lord, which is just praying for them. But it's drawing alongside them, it's being willing to do that, it's having a heart that's willing to do that. And yes, it costs, because compassion costs. It costs the Lord his life. And we are willing to do that, to get involved with broken people. We live in a world that's filled with broken people. People who are living with deep sorrow, deep brokenness. Those of us who brought up in Christian homes perhaps don't know that so much. Those who've had good stable backgrounds, stable home lives, Christian influences, thank God for that. Thank God for it. Over the years we've encountered different individuals who've come with different sorrows and pains and hurts and horrible Horrible things that have happened to them as children, as teenagers, as adults. And it's being willing to get involved and show compassion. Are you willing to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm here, I'm available to you. I want to be that good Samaritan who counts the cost, who gets involved. And so the leper who's touched by the Lord. <clears throat> and then Luke chapter 7, verses 12 to 16 Luke chapter 7, verses 12 to 16. 
And it says this, Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier. And they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a great fear on all. And they glorified God, saying, That a great prophet is risen up among us. And God hath visited his people. Imagine that scene that here's a procession, a funeral procession, coming out of the city. There's death. And that death confronts on that day life. Because coming the other way into the city is the Lord Jesus. So death meets life. And the Lord, he sees that scene, he sees that circumstances, he sees that widow who's lost her only son. And we read in verse 13, And when the the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And And he said unto her, Weep not. You know, the Lord Jesus is described as a man of sorrows. I think he spent most of his life here on earth in sorrow. He did have moments of joy. But most of his time he was moved by sorrow because he sees the effects of sin on his creation. He sees the devastation of that. He sees the effect in the death of this widow's son. And he's moved with compassion. He feels for that lady. He feels for her in all of her need. And in all of her circumstances. And in all of her pain. And yet he has the wherewithal to relieve that. He has the wherewithal for a time anyway. To deal with that situation. He could have just had the attitude. Well it's the effects of sin. It's the effects of life and nature. And the son's dead. Well that's it. It's tough isn't it happens but he he doesn't do that he's moved by the plight of that mother so much (laughs) that he raises her son back to life again when was the last time that I personally was moved in my heart by someone's situation and circumstance so much that I wept with them that I sorrowed with them that I was moved to action. Well, the Lord Jesus turns that whole situation around that day. Death meets life and life overcomes. He raises her son back to life again. And of course, in that, he shows that he is indeed the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Because the people say God had visited his people. They recognise that in him. That was the purpose, one of the purposes of doing that. And in that, we see what God is like. The Lord Jesus is God. And as we look at the Lord Jesus, we see what God is like. A God who is full of mercy, compassion, kindness, 
moved in that situation to totally change that situation. Cancel the funeral. <laughs> Cancel the funeral. The Lord of life and glory has raised the sun back to life again. And the need has been met. Isn't that amazing? A great prophet is risen up among us and God has visited his people. Therein is the effect of compassion by the Lord Jesus. It's a big study because, of course, there's quite a lot of uh, references to compassion. So I'm going to stop there because uh, I have a few more ones to look at next week. God willing, compassion on the blind, compassion on the demon-possessed. Um, and then to finish off by looking at uh, the instruction that the Lord Jesus gives in relation to compassion for us uh, as outlined in Luke chapter 10. So we'll just stop there uh, and um, we just uh, uh, close with a word of prayer uh, and then we will be finished. Lord, we thank you and praise you this morning for your word. We thank you, Father, for these passages of scripture that show to us the great compassion of the Lord Jesus who was moved by the plight of others, moved to action. Uh, Lord, we feel the challenge of these things. Uh, help us, oh God, to be people who are willing to be involved in your mission on this earth as the church of Jesus Christ to be his body here uh, in this area uh, or wherever the Lord has placed us and whatever the Lord has us doing. May we be those who are moved with compassion to reach out and to help others. Compassion that's willing to get involved. Compassion that's willing to, to uh, count the cost and help others. So Lord, we pray for your help in these things. So often we find ourselves like the Pharisees. We become hard-hearted because we see so many problems. We live in a world which is full of them. But Lord, we pray as your Holy Spirit fills us, we pray we may become people of compassion who are willing to live our lives for your glory in your service, reaching out to others. So, Lord, we pray for help in these things. We do just remember Paul again this morning and we pray, Lord, that you would overrule in relation to this operation uh, and that it will take place uh, according to your timing. And I ask, for, Father, for help for Paul as he's confronted with so much difficulty at this time. We think of Edna again, Lord, and we just pray to, to, that you would meet her in all of her need. And we do just pray for each member of this church, for all who are here this morning, Lord, that you'd be to them all that they need. In coming days, uh, you know that some may come with sorrow and problems and difficulties. They don't know how they're going to deal with. Help them, Lord, just to look to you, to give it to you, to trust you, and show them your way, we pray. As we ask these things now, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for his glory and honour. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast from Withington Christian Church. For more information, go to withingtonchristian.church.